Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first psalm this morning comes from the very first psalm, Psalm 1. Let us listen that we may hear what God will share with us. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of the sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But happy are those who delight in the law of the Lord and on His law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by the streams of water which yield their fruits in the season and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Turn with me in your Bibles to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We'll begin reading with verse 24, but before we do, let us pray. Lord, every person here has come with needs. Many of them, no one else knows them. We carry them in our hearts. But you know them. And we are confident by your Holy Spirit that through these words, you will speak to each one of us, individually and to your church. To the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And the Savior said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell. And the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And this is the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
After 38 years of serving churches, uh, we are genuinely in a time of significant transition, just as, as you all are. And one of the transitions is I'm staying in the automobile a lot over the last few months since August. I have had the opportunity to visit 65 Presbyterian churches and probably another 40 or 50 individuals such as yourselves in your homes to talk with them about what God is doing in the world. Let me say this and you are free to tell anyone you'd like. Y'all hear me up there? Good. Listen to this. There are, there are thousands, thousands of wonderful Presbyterians. Wonderful Presbyterians who are faithfully worshiping Jesus Christ today and who are serving Him in their communities, in their regions, and the world. It is awfully easy to be caught up in the, well, our friends in the newspapers, I think, sometimes say, if it bleeds, it leads. But it, let me tell you the good news. Jesus Christ is still with the church. Jesus Christ is still working in the church. And great things are happening just as they are happening here to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. One of the benefits, though, of driving so much is I get to read bumper stickers. And there are three that uh, come to mind that I genuinely like. One of them says this, Do you follow Jesus this closely? The other one is, if God is your co-pilot, then move over. And then this one. I believe in the separation of church and hate. Simple little images that can make the next few miles rather interesting as you think about them. In all fairness, the whole essence of the gospel is a collection of those wonderful images where Jesus Christ is, is speaking with us. The text today is from one of the greatest sermons ever preached. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's in Galilee, up on the top of a mountain, and there are hundreds of people that have gathered. His immediate disciples, the inner circle, so to speak, and Jesus is sharing with his followers some very important lessons. He uses a, my friend here, I, I had been reading her notes. She used a wonderful word for you grammarians, a metaphor. Jesus used a metaphor. And it's a good one too. He says a person went out and built a house. You see, when Jesus was ministering, he could look all around the Sea of Galilee from his perspective, and he could see these homes all around with maybe one or two small lights penetrating the, the ebony darkness of, of a Galilee evening. He knew many of them that were there lived in those houses. 
And he used that image not as a structure in which they were to live, but speaking of their own lives. A man built a house. A woman built a house. And in these few verses, he shares with us not bumper stickers, but some very important lessons about life and faith individually and as the church. Well, what are those lessons? Well, first of all, as we are all about building a house, if you have the opportunity to own a home or you're renting or however you're configured, wouldn't it be wonderful to purchase a home and never have to pick up a hammer again? But we all know that's not true. If you live in a house, there's something going to break at some point. After serving a church very similar to this one for 20 years, very honestly, when I pulled in this morning, it was not the beauty of the building that took me. It was, holy cow, think about all the stuff that could break in that place. <laughs> if you're on the property committee, you know of what I speak. The same thing with our homes. HVAC, plumbing, electrical, roofing, painting, more painting, carpets, rugs, always something. Jesus understands that building your life is a process. Now, let it be heard. God loves you as you are. There is a temptation to divide us into groups about who lives in whatever manner and be quick on the judgments of God loves X, but God doesn't love Y. I'm not comfortable with that. God loves us as we are. But God loves us so much that He will not leave us as we are. And in this passage, Jesus has taken the, 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 the attention of the people. They're saying, look, we've got to listen to Him. He's speaking as one with authority, not as the, the, the religious professionals. He is building a house. I love Charles Schultz. I love peanuts. Schultz was a remarkable philosopher. He said this, Life is like a 10-speed bicycle. The problem is we only use three of the gears. If you memorize the catechism or if you studied it, there's a wonderful doctrine tucked away in there called sanctification. I would love to be able to tell you that once you've memorized the catechism, gone through confirmation class, prepared as a church officer, been a church member, gone to Sunday school all your life, learned all the anthems, you were finished, through, over, it's done. Not so. This is a process of building you as an individual believer, but also building the church. This was a powerful lesson. 
a foundational principle of, of our lives is the notion of the rock of grace that makes you a different person tomorrow than you are today and makes you a different person today than you were yesterday. Now, there's another piece of this lesson that Jesus taught. There are going to be storms. There are going to be storms. Once again, you grammarians, instruct those around you. Pay attention to the verbs. Look at the adverbs. Jesus never said a storm may come. He said it will come. We lived a block and a half from the Mississippi Gulf. Ten years. Sharon wrote a check for federal flood insurance. We never had a storm. Ten years. We moved to North Carolina, two hours from the coast. We had two hurricanes in three years. But it was the same community that was devastated by Katrina. Storms come. It could be a telephone call from your daughter telling you that she's no longer going to stay in her marriage. It could be a visit to a physician's office where you leave and get in the car after just being told some very bad news about your health. It could be your boss telling you that you need an opportunity to work somewhere else. It could be one of those rejection letters you receive from a university. You've done well with your grades. You've done an excellent job with the SAT and the ACT. And I don't care how pretty the stationery, there's nothing that hurts like one of those rejection letters. And sometimes churches find themselves in storms. There are people all over the world that live with that. You have brothers and sisters in Syria right now that have learned a way to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. They're meeting two and three and four at the time in their homes because they know to meet in a building like this that they probably would be killed. There's a backlog on baptisms. So many people are coming to Christ under those circumstances. You see, one of the fathers of the church said, the blood of the martyrs 
is the seed of the church. We must remember that in the midst of the storm, and it will come, it may have come, in the midst of the storm, there is a faithful Savior. And Christ is not through yet. I remember one time, Joel, that I was dealing with a congregation in Mississippi that was struggling with some of the, the same issues that have gone along around here. And um, a dear saint of that church that evening, I had driven three and a half hours to be in the meeting, and I didn't want to be there. I wanted to go home. And this dear saint, I'm sure a lifelong Presbyterian as all of, well, I know you are. You, you could be. He sees the light now. Lifelong Presbyterian stood up in the back of the room and she beat her hand on the back of the pew and said, Mr. Moderator, yes, ma'am, I want a church that is marching steadily into the future and is just like it used to be. And I told a colleague of mine, I said, can we go home now? Can we? There is a temptation to romanticize what used to be, to clean it up, tidy it up, make it better than it really was. Storms come, but the church will stand. You see, the house built on the rock doesn't collapse when the wind comes and the rains and, and the waves. The, the church doesn't surrender. It continues. Yes, I know some of us have become familiar with church things. We know a hymn or two and we know the creed and the Lord's Prayer and we know where all the coffee pots are placed and we know that our family's name has been on the church roll since Moses but remember this, the church will not collapse. That's Christ's promise. That even the gates of hell itself will not prevail. Because Christ is with us. He is here. And He loves you and He loves this church and He's not finished with you yet. And He wants to see you continue to change the world as you have done for over a century and a half. <laughs> there was a couple that had been married about 40 years driving through their small community and they noticed in front of them there was a pickup truck and the wife said something to this effect. She said, she said, oh, in the, in the pickup truck, the couple, they were close together. They were snuggled over. And she said to her husband, why don't we do that anymore? And he said, I haven't moved. <laughs> Christ hasn't either. Yeah, I know people move. But Christ doesn't. And 
he's still here. You see, he's the rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not, you dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Believe me, folks, this is the word of the Lord. Amen.